And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello everyone, this is Arthur Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Very special guest to kick off the show, someone who knows The Athletic well, knows The Islanders well, knows the NHL well, it's Justin Bourne. Justin, my friend, how are you? I'm doing well, and that's a complete lie because I have two small children in a pandemic, and we just discussed the truth off the air. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, ev- everybody who comes on the show is basically like, let's let's vent a little bit about the crazy pandemic, and you being in Canada, uh, far worse off than we are in the states now, which is not something we would have said a year ago, but uh, uh, but we, I guess that just means we've all been through it, and like you said, anybody with little kids is. Uh, probably listening to this to get away from their small children. So we'll just move right on. So Justin, like I said, uh, former pro player uh, played in the Islander system for a brief period, along with some guys that uh, fans love to talk about way back when um, obviously his dad, uh, a legend in the Islanders blue and orange, his father-in-law's Clark Gillies uh, currently Sportsnet, formerly the athletic Basically, Justin, you are a guy, even though you are uh, sealed off up in Canada and only allowed to discuss or read or watch Canadian hockey this season, <laughs> you know the Islanders. What have you seen from them this year, and where do you think they might be headed as we get towards the playoffs? Well, I see a team, and I have seen a team, but I see a team that's like accepting of what Barry Trotz wants them to be. Like, there's just no confusion about what the identity is. There's no trying to find themselves or, you know, like up here in Toronto, it's just like the complete opposite where they're bringing in different voices and every person they sign is a leader that's going to change the room. And like the Islanders just are what they are. Like they are going to play defense. They are going to, you know, smother teams. They have some offensive flair and a few guys, but like, it's just, they have a clear identity and I, I love that. And I think it makes it easier for everyone on the roster that there's not jockeying for position and within the lineup or curiosity about what they're supposed to do. Everyone knows the drill and it's just like, okay, can you beat us? And by and large teams can't. That's true. They're, they're on a little bit of a funk right now since they made their, their big uh, deadline move for Kyle Palmieri and mm-hmm. Travis Sajak. But like you said, they are what they are. And uh, it, to me, uh, you know, I always my big question, and I always wonder this. And having seen the playoffs the last couple of years, they've had some success, massive success by any measure of Islanders history since the '80s, but uh, not the kind of success that they absolutely want. Um, when you have a team like that that knows its identity so well and plays to it, can you get to that next level like they couldn't against a, a superior skilled Tampa team or even against a Carolina team a couple of years ago that probably wasn't that much better than them, but but when you're grinding it out night after night through the whole season and the playoffs, how do you mm-hmm. do you see a team that can get to that next level and succeed deeper and deeper? Well, it's well, it's a, it's a really good question because it is. I've always believed that you know game breakers are essential for teams to win Stanley Cups, and in that, just I mean, 
pretty much every team that wins Stanley Cups can shut it down and play defense and play physical and does consistently enough to win. But then you have those guys that can just find one, just find a way to create something out of nothing, um, you know, that your normal everyday guys can't do. And it's definitely a question mark with the Islanders. It's definitely why, you know, analysts don't pick them as cup favorites. They look at other rosters and say, you know, Pittsburgh's going to grind it out. And so is Boston. And so is Washington. But you just think at the end of the day, they're going to find one from Ovi or from Sid, you know, or that the perfection line. And, you know, we know what Barzal can do, obviously, but it's, we're talking about the best of the best. So no, no, it's, it's tough to see the Islanders, you know, taking, taking games, close games uh, away from other teams enough with elite skill. They don't have that. However, the St. Louis blues just won a Stanley cup. <laughs> you know, you know, and that's kind of the Islanders model of big and physical and play defense and just hope you get enough saves. And so I guess I guess what I'm saying is they're going to give themselves a chance and they're tough to beat. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have the enough elite guys to consider them a, a top three favorite. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm probably with you on that. And obviously with Anders Lee missing now, it's it's that much harder. I'm, I'm curious too. one of your many hats that you've worn over the last few years. Uh, you were a video coach in the Leafs uh, minor league system for a couple of years, and you are personally a great help to me in breaking down video as someone who never played at any level, much less a high level. When you see a team like the Islanders, that's that when they're at their best, their structure is as disciplined probably as anybody out there. Um, for the average fan, I don't know if they understand what kind of commitment that takes and, and systems and when, you know, when coaches talk systems and use those words and there's different lingo for each team, but really they're all kind of fall into the same general category when you're talking about a four check or a defensive mm-hmm. zone, defensive zone system. What kind of ability does it take to play to a system the way that the Islanders play to their system? Well, it takes personal sacrifice, which not everyone is willing to do. And it's again, why the Islanders are so formidable is that usually you have guys that are relying on their individual stats to further their career. And of course these guys are too, but there are players within the league whose reputation is built on being in the right spots. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter what he puts up. The coach plays him because he trusts him, knows what he can do. And the Islanders are just littered with those type of guys who uh, you know, don't seem to be running out of position for, you know, to chase individual stats so much as they are committed to the cause. I actually think there's a case to be made because of that, that the Islanders are uniquely positioned to take care of what should have be a year with more attrition based playoffs than any other season. Everyone's played condensed schedules. Anyone who's had a COVID related, uh, uh, issue has a more condensed schedule. I know like I think the Canucks have like 15 games in the next yeah, 23 crazy. days or something. It's absurd. And that's not wildly uncommon around the league. Dallas has a schedule like that. Like there are teams that have to deal with that. So all the condensed schedules, all the weirdness that's gone into this season, no time for players to take care of their bodies. I think there's going to be more injuries than ever. And if the game is going to slow down more than ever, as we get deeper into playoffs and having a team, committed to being in those spots and not running around and chasing the breakaways is going to be, it's just going to make them really tough to beat when the game slows down. So uh, that, that, you know, we may hear more talk like we did playoffs last year where fans are like, the Islanders are boring. And then the Islanders keep stacking up W's and saying, (laughs) we don't care. I think that's the best case scenario for that team. And, you know, you were probably more of an observer pre Canadian division, pre pandemic. Yeah, uh, we're pretty dialed in here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute because I do want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
the evolution of the Islanders over the last decade or so, and and you know, as we mentioned, you you have a, a unique connection to this organization for a long, long time. Not only playing a little bit in it, many you know, back in the two thousands, but also being a part of it with family. Um, you understand also uniquely the chip on the shoulder that that comes with being an Islander fan or being part of the organization. Uh, when they've had this run of success and they're going to make the playoffs for three years in a row, which is I think they've only done it twice since the 80s or maybe just once in the early 2000s with uh, in the Peter Laviolette era, um, you, you know, can you can you sense some some pride growing in Islander Nation or do you feel like it's still they're just waiting for the roof to fall on all of them, even though this team is legitimately a good team now? Can't it be both? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that that is the case. But I, you know what I like about it is I think Islanders fans connect with what this team is, where with where you, you don't see the elite high flying, you know, number one overall pick type of guys on the roster, but that they scrap it out together every day and they go to work like that. There seems to be something about Long Island that, that connects with that type of team. And of course, you, you know, you'd love to have more guys that put the puck in the net, but there's something unifying of being able to connect with that identity. And I think if you have a team that doesn't have the elite of the elite scorer guys, he, what else can you ask for from a team? So they're, they're a really easy team to love. Like the best connection I can think is here in Toronto, the way the Toronto Raptors were for, you know, during their championship run, you know, without the LeBron Jameses of the world, like so easy to cheer for a team that work hard, played their positions and just surprised people every day. And so I feel like fans of, of a particular connection with this Barry Trotz coach team and Lou Lamorello, Lamorello led team. I think it works for, their own identity, which is pretty cool. And then, yes, with that comes the small uh, insecurity of, oh, God, this could all come undone at any second. And that seems to loom over things and make them a little more hostile when you question them, too. Yes, that's a that's going to be a hallmark to the end of time. So there's no there's no compl- <laughs> I, when I hear complaints from other writers or whoever about like, man, Islander fans online are a little hostile. I'm just like, let's just put it aside for now, because it's just the way it's always going to be. <laughs> yeah, except yeah, that um, now. You are based in Toronto now in your Sportsnet role, and uh, as we mentioned, Canada, uh, the Canadian division, the North division, is really all you you guys are permitted to watch. I'm, I'm sure the shock callers uh, they turn them off for a little bit of time when you have <laughs> to, when you have one of the games not on. But yeah, um, what has that been like? You know, as someone who is used to observing the whole league, and I'm sure mm-hmm. some of your colleagues are used to watching the whole league and talking about the whole league, and really. The focus, you know, I think to to the frustration of a lot of American uh, social media followers of yourself or whoever, uh, you know, all the Canadian based uh, media and commentators for hockey who rightly are focusing on the Canadian division because it's so popular up there and really the only the only thing going. Um, but down here, we sort of feel, I think, a little bit left out. So what's the yeah. perspective from from north of the border? Well, you know, the it's funny because it came in like a bolt of lightning where everyone was like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, the Canadian division, this is so great. We get to, you know, have the rivalries. And, you know, we I wrote an article about how they needed to have a cup for this season for the divisional uh, winner. First time getting to do this. And I cannot tell you how old it got, <laughs> you know, how quick. It's just really tedious right now. And the dirty little secret that has become less of a secret and just outspoken is like none of the teams are that great. Um, you know, Toronto is legitimately a very good team, I think, but 
you know, the, the Jets are badly flawed. The Oilers are badly flawed. They're going to finish 2-3. Canadians are just doing everything they can, running into every hurdle, headed to the finish line, but they're still going to get in. But, like, it's not overly strong. It's It's been a learning experience and like too much of a good thing. Like if your, uh, your parents finally said, all right, you can have whatever you want for dinner. And you went for jelly beans and ice cream for like 10 days in a row. And you're like, <laughs> God, I could use a, ch- a lean chicken breast in a salad. So it, you know, it has been eye opening in terms of what's actually fun to take in. And I'm glad they gave it a run. I'm glad they're not committed to it. Cause really I miss doing analysis of the whole league. This will be the first time in a half dozen years. I, I don't have a national vote uh, on awards because they're trying to spread them around and make it more fair. And that's fair. I haven't seen enough of the league to feel comfortable making those votes. So it's a, it's a weird year. And I do feel disconnected from the rest of the league in a way that I don't want to continue. So I'm, I'm excited to get back to normalcy. I feel like September is a fresh start. September, <laughs> October. When everyone gets back at it, hopefully my kid's back in school and everyone's vaccinated and we're all feeling good and off we go. Here, you know, fingers crossed for that outcome. Yeah. And speaking as someone who did make the cut to vote this year, I, I have a had a pang of, man, they, they could have left me out this year, really. Like I <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I got I'm gonna be calling and texting you later on being like, could you just break down some of the Canadian division people for me? Cause I haven't seen hardly any of it. But it's it's yeah, yeah it's such a it's such a wild year. I definitely was like hurt for a moment. And then I was like, okay, well, that's actually the, actually the correct outcome. So I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think in your life as a person who pays attention to the Islanders, but is not based around here. And also now your life in Toronto and being part of the Canadian media uh, conglomerate, um, you are uniquely situated to see the online vitriol between Islander fans and Leaf fans. And it is, to my mind, one of the greatest things going in (laughs) hockey today and social media today. There is so much for teams that haven't played in the playoffs in 20 years, and it won't be, obviously, unless they both make the semifinals, which would be amazing, but long shot there. Um, But every mention of whether it's Tavares or... Sheldon Keefe is a is a Jack Adams contender or whatever happens. And a, as you know, at the athletic Lou, <laughs> Lou, right? There's another connection. Um, whatever mention in the athletic and we are a Leafs centered uh, organization at times um, is met with such blowback from Islander fans. And do you see it a lot? And now when you see it, because you're a little more removed from it, do you just say, I really hope that they play in the playoffs at some point soon because they got to get it out somehow. It's like, I'm trying to think of what the opposite of like two hands washing each of themselves clean, two dirty (laughs) hands wash themselves clean. It's like two, two really great places making themselves filthy by getting involved with one another. Somehow (laughs) it's uh, it it is hilarious. And it it feels largely like at the core is Tavares based. Right. And it's, you know, the way things went down on Long Island, I, I'm still very uncomfortable with how Long Island reacted to it. And I'm not going to get into that because I don't want to stir that pot exactly. And I know how people feel, but I know my father-in-law still is resentful over Tavares and all that. So anyway, um, and I shouldn't put words in his mouth, but at least last I spoke to him, that was the thing. So anyway, I feel like that's where it comes from. And then Toronto kind of celebrating like, like, it was a victory and I don't, I don't exactly know how to sum it up, but everyone is worse off for it. And it's hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> nothing meaningful is coming from it. It's just people sniping at one another, but that's what great sports rivalries uh, are kind of made of. So I, I've enjoyed it too, from a distance and I just, 
know way better than to dip my toe in the water on Twitter on that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a tough one to you try to you're trying to break up a fight maybe between two people and suddenly becomes a fight between two hundred people and you're like ah, yeah. I think I'll just slowly back <laughs> away from this. It's just the scene in Anchorman where someone gets killed with <laughs> a trident. It's just like I don't want any part of what's happening here. It, exactly, there are, the the connections are pretty strong, and we even you know Matt Martin is in there too. Although his uh, his Toronto uh, nemesis is now out of the picture, so maybe that's that one's lessened a little bit, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, it is a, it is a special and unique hatred between two teams that, uh, and I guess it's sort of when you when you get talking about it, the people will come in over the top with Darcy Tucker and you know some old school stuff from from two thousand two that uh, yeah. that that most people probably haven't thought about for a long. By the way, time. The, the the best part about this for uh, Islanders fans is no team is better equipped to beat the Leafs than the Islanders. Like. <laughs> If, if you if you put a, you know, draw a matchup and have me predict, you know, what percentage of how confident I am that the Leafs would beat them, you know, put them up against Colorado. I'm 40 percent confident that the Islanders or sorry, that the Leafs can beat Colorado. I'm 30 percent confident they can beat the Islanders. The Islanders are their absolute nightmare. So uh, it, it's something I think Isles fans should wish for because I'd like their odds there. All right. Well, we'll we'll hope that. People at, at Sportsnet and people in general in Toronto are not upset with you saying the Islanders are better than the Leafs head to head. It's all hypothetical <laughs> it's, now. We'll, it is hypothetical, but it's just that, yeah. you know, everything they've run into and wilted at in the playoffs so far is what the Islanders are times two, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can definitely hope for it. We'll, de- we'll, we'll get you back on again if uh, in the middle of the summer, if that one comes to fruition <laughs> in the final four, it would be, uh, it would oh, be I'd a, love real, that. a real treat. Well, this was also a real treat. Justin Bourne. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. This is, uh, as always, great to talk Islanders with you and the hockey world at large. And uh, keep going with your great career at Sportsnet. We miss you at the Athletic, but uh, as again, great, great to catch up. Yeah, you too, man. I uh, always enjoy your work, and thanks for having me. Best of luck. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're back. Thanks so much to Justin Bourne for breaking down some aisles and talking Islanders Leafs online rivalry. And now AJ Maletsko jumps in. AJ, how are you? I'm good, Arthur. How you doing? Doing very well. Uh, a little bit better than the Islanders have fared in the last few days. Uh, so yeah, we'll look back at this previous week. Um, very good win over the Rangers uh, this time a week ago that had them looking good and had the Rangers probably feeling like that was the end of the road for them, although they're still sort of hanging around now. Uh, and then a couple of eh games against the Caps, which we've seen a little bit of. Um, especially that last game was really... 
kind of uh, comedy of errors, a couple of bad goals from Ilya Sorokin, uh, a couple of bad breakdowns defensively, not much doing offensively five on five. Where do you think this team is at right now, just in general? I mean, we're looking at a four, team that's 4-4-1 four, four, and one since they made their big uh, trade deadline move for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. Zero or one goals, I think, in, in six of those nine games. Uh, they're just kind of floating right now. You know, I, I agree with you, but I think if you look around the league, every team has had their lulls. And clearly you don't want the lull right before playoffs, so that's not ideal. But this is a weird season. It's short season. Uh, we've said from the beginning that it's very much like playoff hockey, uh, but it's still a regular season, right? You have those 56 games started mid-January, and they they were great for so much of it. The Islanders were and, you know, I think that you look back a year ago when Pajot came in, big splash, and they didn't do very well after that trade deadline. Of course, last year was unique in that they had a couple-month break, and Pajot had basically a training camp to come back in and, and take the Islanders' world by storm in the bubble. Um, and, you know, I don't think Paul Mary and Zajac have that luxury. Um, but I think when you look at the way that they're playing uh, and listening to Barry Trotz, you and I were on that Zoom call this morning, and he's talking about the depth that he has. He has 15 or 16 guys that can really make a difference on an NHL roster, but he only dresses 12. He's try- I, What I really liked about what he said is that it's not a puzzle so much as a Rubik's Cube, just showing the complications and all the different things that he's taking into account. So in terms of where they are right now, I think I'd say that they're still in a good position. And I think some of this adversity, some of this little lull they're going through, ultimately could be a big, a really good thing for them because they had to go through it after Andrews Lee went injured. They have to reshuffle the lines. They've got to find that chemistry, find the combinations, and they've got to do it before the playoffs. So they still have a little bit of time, a little bit of leeway to do it right now. And, and you know, you can't discredit the way the uh, Capitals played too on Thursday and, and Saturday. And I'm preparing for the game tonight, looking at, at what the Capitals are talking about. They said that those five periods they played – not the, uh, after the first period on Thursday night was the best five periods they'd played all season. So, you know, you take that into account. They were missing Ovechkin on Saturday night. Everybody rises to the occasion when you lose a superstar in your lineup. And that's what they did. Yeah. And they'll be without Ovechkin again tonight. It seems, um, you know, I, I think that's uh, them playing as well as they did without Ovechkin is certainly a credit to the caps and a credit to Peter Laviolette, who, you know, has been in the league long enough dating back to his first coaching job with the Islanders two decades ago, where he gets the most out of his players, especially that first year he's behind the bench as his fourth team now. And, and every team I think he's coached and taken over has really seen a big jump the first year. Um, so to get a, a pretty veteran group to to you know band together and buckle down, very impressive that he's been able to do that. Uh, on the flip side, I'm a little... Uh, you know, worried is the wrong word, but but when the Caps can band together without Ovechkin, and frankly, Ovechkin hasn't done much at all against the Islanders this year. I know he's missed a few of the games, but but you haven't really noticed him a ton against them. Um, you know, that's really the Islanders' mo is the team that bands together and and plays as strong as they can as as a group, no matter who's in or who's out. Um, can they find that that level again where they're the team that's outworking everybody? They, we've seen flashes of it, and I think. The games where they have done that, including Matt Barzell's big five-point game against the Caps a few weeks ago, that's when the Islanders are at their best. And really, they've piled up a lot of goals in some of those games, kind of contrary to how everyone feels about you know the boring Islanders that don't score very much. But um, you know they need to get to that grinding level again. And it's like you said, it's this time of year. It's hard to get to that level. Can they get there with the group that they have? 
I think they can get there. Um, I know they can get there. It's a matter of will they get there. They've got all the pieces that they need. They've got the depth. Um, I think that to your point, though, they have really skilled guys on the team, uh, but their skill only goes as far as their work ethic. So when they are playing that Islander-style hockey that you referenced, it is that blue-collar, hard work, gritty, tough along the boards, you know, and, and listening to – I think you asked the question this morning about Oliver Wallstrom and Barry Trotz talked about it. He's hard to play against. He's, he wins those battles along the boards. He's getting moving his feet, getting to open space. And I think that that could be said for everybody on the team when they're, when they're really firing on all cylinders and all four lines and all 60 and the goaltenders are all going, they can establish their forecheck and grind down teams. And, and on the flip side, their D zone can be, is so solid and so structured. I think that's the thing that surprised me the most out of this little lull that we've had in April is their, their D zone looks a little bit more disjointed than we're accustomed to seeing. Now, part of that could be the addition of two new guys that haven't been with the Islanders. Part of it could be the shuffling of lines. So they're all playing with different guys. Um, but that's the part that surprised me for a Barry Trotz coach team, because he's always been so locked down in the D zone um, and maybe it's a factor of other coaches playing a chess match a little bit better at this point in the season and figuring out how they get them off their game. So I do think that they have the pieces to get back to that style of hockey. And then when they need it, put up the points that you're talking about, get Matt Barzell um, moving off the puck, get him cranking up and down the ice, moving those heat, drawing penalties and making smarter decisions with the puck. Right. I mean, the, the skill in that guy is outrageous but then you, you look at all the little decisions that he makes. He's trying to do too much himself, right? And part of that could be that Anders Lee's not there. So uh, they have the pieces. They can get there. It's just a matter of will they get there in time. You know, it's interesting you bring up the defensive zone. And, and when we had Barry Trotz on the Zoom, I think on uh, after practice yesterday, you know, I'd asked him about uh, how he feels his six defensemen have done in terms of breaking pucks out of the zone and kind of joining the rush. You know, they, Adam Pellick shorthanded goal the other night, uh, you know, gave him three and he and Noah Dobson are tied for the team lead amongst defensemen with three. And I think that gives them maybe 10 total among their defensemen. And there's, I think four or five defensemen in the league, individual guys that have more than 10. So it's, they're just not generating a ton from the back end. And he really put a lot of the onus on the forwards that that they're not making themselves available well enough to to allow the D to break out cleanly uh, and join the rush. And that's really, you know, that's something that we all sometimes miss because you're always looking up the ice to see where the rush is going. But it starts way back there. And to, if you can't break out cleanly or can't break out at all, um, things break down in the defensive zone. Guys are going different directions. It's uh, it can be a little bit haphazard. And like you said, that's not something we usually see from them. And I wonder about that, you know, wall play from forwards, making themselves available, trying to trying to get up the ice. Um, it's such a it's such a small detail type thing, but it clearly makes a big difference. It does make a big difference. And, and I love when I hear coaches say that. And that's speaking as a former defenseman, of course, because there is so much. It's not entirely so much. your fault. <laughs> exactly. Now, I also did play center. So I can understand. And, you know, part of that, what I love to do now when I coach kids is always move around to different positions, because I think there is a respect and a understanding of how difficult it is. And, you know, if you're playing wing and the defense just keeps ringing the puck up the boards and you're, you have to look down at your skates and you're eating the puck and you're getting slammed by the opponent defenseman pinching down, you get frustrated. But then the D says, well, I'm sending the puck to you. Right. So there's all these different things that go on 
um, that that's again, when they're doing well, they've got all five guys in the zone and six, if you include the goaltenders who should be very vocal in the D zone and helping them out and talking to them. Um, but when they work together, right, it's, it's the, it's the forwards getting in position. If the, if the defense, the point guys are pinching on the wall, the center has to find the lane. And, you know, sometimes it's having the two guys swing. Sometimes it's having the uh, weak side wing come out a little bit higher and draw somebody out of the zone. So it creates more space. There's all different things that that can happen. And I think that that's what Trotz is really good at recognizing that and helping these guys recognize it. So if the D are struggling to get out of the zone, it's not just on them. Now that first pass is critical. And when they're off, you can see if passes are in the skates, their, their knee height, whatever it may be. Um, but I also think that one of the great things about the Islanders decor is they can skate the puck out when they look up and they're looking for a pass and nobody's open, nobody's getting into space. You know, you get somebody like Nick Letty, he can get the puck out of the zone as easily as anybody. But even you look at all the other guys, Mayfield's jumping up and doing that more and more, which shows his confidence and his ability to, to sort of recognize where there's space. So I think that that's something that certainly needs to be addressed. And it's not, it, when I say defense, usually when I'm talking about the defensive zone, I'm talking about all five guys out there and, and, and particularly the centers. And it may not be the four centers you see listed on the lineup chart, because it, depending on the back check, whoever the first guy back is going to be that low guy who we call the center. Um, so, you know, we've seen Zajac and Barzell go back and forth on that center spot on the top line and Barzell playing wing, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, you've got to have that. You have to have one of the forwards down low supporting when the Islanders don't have the puck when they're in their own D zone. And then even more so or just as much so when they do have the puck in order to help the breakout. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, even with uh, all of the flaws the Islanders seem to be exhibiting right now, they're pretty much a lock for the playoffs. A lot of things would have to go wrong, and boy, would we be breaking it down in great detail here in the coming weeks if they managed to somehow lose a playoff spot to the Rangers. Um and certainly that would hurt the most. So yeah, let's <laughs> let's not let's, let's not, not e- talk about that. Let's not even talk that into existence. So uh, they're in the playoffs in all likelihood, whether they finish fourth, first, whatever. It, it's these four teams: Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, and the Islanders. It's been that way for a while. Um, these teams have kind of shown that they're the class of the division. They've beaten each other up pretty good in this crazy schedule. And I want to ask you, AJ, of those three other teams. If you're the Islanders and you could make your choice, who do you want to see in the first round of the playoffs? 
There are three really tough teams, no matter how you slice it. Now, obviously, we've talked from the beginning that the Eastern Division is is really the toughest, deepest division. Um, maybe I'm sure that there are people in the rest of the world that would disagree. Um, I would I would honestly go with Boston, and not just because they're currently ranked fourth. I would go with Boston because of the way that they're built, even with the Taylor Hall addition, uh, even with Curtis Lazar. Uh, you know, it's changed a little bit now that they've got Swayman pushing their goaltenders to play a little bit better. Um, and as if if their decor starts to get healthy, obviously they're going to have a different complexion to their team. But uh, through this season, the Islanders have done much better against the Bruins. Um, and the thing that worries me about the other two is that they they seem to have eliminated the home ice advantage that the Islanders have built up against everybody else in their division. And so, I mean, the Penguins had their way with them at the Coliseum. I mean, they've only had three regulation loss on at the Coliseum. So it's really, they're still doing really well at home. Um, but I think they're two and two against Washington. Um, you know, and I, the one thing that worries me about Boston is that they are building. So they have, they're certainly better than they were in January, February, when the Islanders were having their successes against them. But I also think that they do typically seem to be a pretty top heavy team. And I think when the Islanders, if they figure out all the stuff we were just talking about and they get their depth cranking, then they can, they can manage them a little bit better. What do you think? You know, I'm the Bruins give me a little bit of pause, not just because of the two games, uh, you know, a week or so, a couple of weeks ago where they just kind of looked like old Island, you know, Islanders Bruins games from the last decade where the Bruins just always seem to, you know, take the Islanders' lunch money, push them down, beat them by a couple of goals, do you know, beat them around a little bit. Um, I, I feel like the Bruins are the team that when they're at their best, they match the Islanders very well. They, you know, they they play a similar style when they want to be able to they get a lead and they can lock it down. Uh, and as good as that top line is offensively, I feel like the reason that perfection line does so much good stuff and confounds so many people around the league is because They've got two of the best defensive forwards in the league in Bergeron and Marchand on it. Uh, and Pasternak is obviously a, an offensive wizard, and he's you know struggled a little bit this season and been out for a while. But those other two guys are great two-way forwards, and that takes away a lot of what the Islanders could do because they're on the ice a lot. And the Hall addition really helps, I think, uh, you know, kind of rounds out their top six pretty well. Uh, and they can play with a little bit of speed. And I think speed from their back end is really – the thing that kind of throws the Islanders the most for me, which is why I don't think they want to see the Penguins because as the, the Penguins lineup, I, I can barely recite maybe 10 guys that play in that lineup because they've had so much turnover with injuries and credit to Mike Sullivan, who's done an incredible job coaching that group that everyone always thought, you know, you're always waiting for the Penguins to finally fall off the cliff and it certainly hasn't happened this year. Um, but they play with a lot of speed, obviously starting with their captain. And that I think, you know, that's the one thing that the Islanders have trouble with is, is skill and speed. Um, the cap, the caps obviously have a ton of skill, but I feel like their back end is pretty slow moving in general. You know, you've got a guy like Orlov who's maybe can, can bring some of that speed to it. Jensen can a little bit, but those guys are a little weaker defensively and, and their best defenseman is John Carlson. Who's not a, a real fleet of foot guy. He does get up on the play, but he's a big shot, you know, a good passing type, special teams kind of guy. Um, and I just feel like the matchup there uh, on defense and in goal favors the Islanders against Washington, you know, leaving aside what we've seen in the regular season, which is a lot of caps regulation wins. 
Um, I just feel like Islanders caps, even with all of their, all of their weapons and all their firepower, I think that's the team that scares me the least. If you're thinking about both teams at their, at their top end. Yeah. And it is interesting. If you look at the way that, uh, I mean, Trotz knows the Island, I mean, excuse me, well, obviously he knows the Islanders. Let's hope he does. He knows the Capitals so well. And there's a lot of the same people there. I, I the Penguins to me, also uh, the Islanders haven't seen them. And so they saw them so much in February that they, I feel like they're a team that is, to your point, they've had a lot of turnover, but it's just been a while since the Islanders have really sort of done a deep dive with them. But I would never rule out a team that has Sidney Crosby on it. And I feel like he has elevated his game yeah. even more in the second half of the season so far. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be interesting. I think the the Caps and the Bruins to me are sort of similar in that they're, they've got that aging core. I guess the Penguins, too. You look at them, right? They've got that core that they they've got that desperation thing to them. I just, I, yeah, and it'll be, I, right now, Pasta's not scoring um, for Boston. That's the one thing. I just don't think they have the the weight that they would have on the back end if everybody was healthy, all that, that physicality. So it'll be interesting no matter what. But at the end of the day, you know, in the Zoom call today, Ryan Pollock um, was talking about scoreboard watching. He said, you know what, at the end of the day, it's about our game. And it's about getting the two points and trying not to give up even a, a point in overtime. So I think, that's what Islanders and Islanders fans have to look at. Whoever they face, they got to be ready and and try to utilize that Coliseum advantage that they've had so much this season. And the crazy thing to me is when I when I think about you know how to match up and how can they you know how can they gain an edge on whether you know Bruins, Penguins, whoever. The guy that I keep coming back to, who's maybe a bit of a wild card for the Islanders, uh, given that Anders Lee is out and that miss they miss leadership, physicality, and, and goal scoring. You're not going to get the physic. You're not going to get the goal scoring from this guy. But Leo Komarov is going to play a role against any of these three teams because he pisses off Ovechkin, he pisses off Malkin. <laughs> he and Marshawn obviously have their crazy love affair that goes back many years of licking and getting in each other's face, like. Leo Komarov is the, is the Islanders' playoff wild card. I can't believe I'm saying this, but <laughs> he is going to play a role in. The, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be as effective as he as he has been in 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 being a pest in years past. But when we talk about guys who raise their intensity level, raise their level for the playoffs, Leo's going to raise his annoyance level, and that's going to play a role. And I again, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, I sort of see it happening. Well, and listening to Barry, the the trust that he has in him, right? I mean, you're right. He could be the X factor. And and I know that he is the kind of guy that frustrates Isles fans because you watch him and it's um, it's a little different than Johnny Boychuk. But it was, you know, I mean, I remember Barry Trotz always used to say, Johnny Boychuk get, gets it done. It's ugly, but he gets it done. And sometimes you look at Leo and he'll take a bad penalty or a bad giveaway or whatever it is. And at the beginning of the season, I felt like he was doing that more than he is now. Um, and there was always sort of that, that question of how long is the leash on these veteran players for Barry Trotz. And he has been very good on that top line with Evelyn Barzell. And, and again, that's just the eye test. And I'm not huge on stats and analytics and those, you know, big shaded graphs that people have. I think it's amazing what people can do. Um, but he is, um, he, <laughs> you're right. He annoys people and you need somebody like that. Now, on the Bruins, you've got their pest is also one of their elite top players, Brad Marchand. So that's, you know, that's not something Leo might chip in a goal here and there, but he's not going to make those high end elite skill plays that you see from a Marchand or a Tom Wilson up, um, for the Capitals. 
but he really could play a role. He penalty kills. He does all the things. And, you know, what Barry Trotz has said time and time again is what happens off the ice is just as important. And I would argue that this season, even more than regular, because they're not together as much as as they are in non-COVID years, they don't get to go out to dinner, their road trips, they're stuck in their hotel rooms. Um, So, you know, when you've got the locker room and you've got just the limited time to build that team chemistry, when you've got Uncle Leo around, that makes a difference for these guys. So I, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how these lines end up falling as they enter the playoffs um, and even over the la- next couple of games. Uh, but I do think that that Uncle Leo is going to be uh, he's going to be critical. Yeah, and I think uh, Islander fans will then be critical in a different way about Uncle Leo being critical. So <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Uh, that's all we got time for this week. Thanks as always, AJ. Uh, enjoy the national broadcast. It'll have an Islander flavor with uh, with you and Brendan Burke on the call of Isles Caps tonight. That'll be great. It sure will. We'll try to. We've got to keep it down the middle a little bit, but um, <laughs> you know, we'll we got a little more information on the Islanders, so we'll we'll sneak in some Islander stuff for sure. Well, every Islander fan knows where your real allegiance is. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Just a reminder, when you check us out on Apple or Spotify, subscribe, leave a review. It can really help us out. And if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont for the latest deal. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Thanks.